welcome back again to Living in the Way. And uh, we are into session 10. And it's fantastic to have back with me, Isaac. Hello again. So, Isaac, you're doing uh, the greenhouse. That's correct. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. What is, what's the greenhouse all about and how have you found the first month? Yeah, well, um, it's been, um, yeah, so the rubber hit the road just from, from day one. It's been fantastic. So we're, um, to sort of summarize it, um, living in a house with five others that are all, um, part of the program. Um, it's a 12 month program of intentional leadership and discipleship training, um, where we get a chance that we get, um, people from the way community pouring into us. Um, in all sorts of different ways. And we get a chance as well to exercise what we've learned, um, in practical ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, part of that is like doing one of these. Yeah. <laughs> Case in point. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we're looking today at walking in the spirit. And this session is really on how to live out day by day what this this righteous life that we talked about in the last session mm. actually looks like. So have you had time to think about what it looks like to live a righteous life? And what are, what is what are some of the things that really stand out to you? Like what makes a righteous life? Surely it's got to be things like always looking right and talking with a plum in the mouth. Uh, is is that what we're talking about for righteous life? What do we mean by a righteous life? Yeah, well, I think if you are if you're going down that path, you'd be a Pharisee. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Take a look at what uh, what Jesus says about the Pharisees in the Bible, and uh, you may want to uh, think twice about that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, but no, yeah. So righteousness is um, yeah, it's a gift. So really, it's about receiving that gift, um, getting it into your head um, that it's not what you do. And then from that gift of righteousness flows everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the fruit of that. So the, the fruit of the spirit and, and all of that, um, comes out of that. Um, it's just a natural byproduct. Mm. Wonderful way to put it. So let's have a look at a couple of scriptures to get going on. And, and this is just around that idea of how to live out this, this life in the spirit. So. Uh, we're reading Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Wow, yeah. So there's the first one, eh? mm. is, is allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you, and then the cravings of that sinful nature mm. are not going to have room. Mm. Yeah, and uh, 1 John 3, 6. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Wow. Mm. So, uh, look, I can hear you now. Uh, you're, you're listening to this and you're saying, yeah, I'm now worried, Todd, because <laughs> uh, aren't I still sinning? I mean, any one of us, right, mm. uh, are going, well, there are times where I would do stuff that that gets called sin. So I think one of the things that we need to answer at this point is what is sin? Mm. 
And I don't want you conf- confusing the fruit of sin with sin, mm. which is what a lot, a lot of people do. So just like the fruit of the Spirit is things like love, joy, peace, and self-control, the fruit of sin is not actually sin. It's the fruit, mm. okay? So what are we talking about? Hating, lying, stealing, all those sorts mm. of things. Yep. That's the fruit of sin. So let's have a look at a couple of scriptures around this. So first of all, we've got 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 9 to 11. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Yeah, wow. All right, we're going to keep going because we're we're going to have a look at this whole issue of sin. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So all these things that we're reading here, we do, we refer to them as sin. Mm. But really, they are the fruits yes. of sin. Mm. There, there is something deeper at work. The people that do these things are doing them because there is something deeper at the core. Mm. And that's what I want to have a look at. So we have a, uh, a principle in, in Scripture that we call the law of first mention. Mm-hmm. If you want to understand something in the Bible, it's helpful to look at the first time that it appears Now, we're talking about the first time that it appears chronologically. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be in Genesis. Okay. Now, often when you say what is the first sin, the thing that everybody immediately jumps to is Adam and Eve in the garden. Yep, the forbidden fruit. That's right. But in actual fact, that's not the first sin. Mm. The first sin is found in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 15, and it's couched in a bit of poetry. And and after Isaac's read it, we'll we'll, uh, unpack it a little bit. But let's have a listen to this scripture that describes the first sin, Isaiah 14, 12 to 15. How you have fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, You who destroyed the nations of the world, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountains of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. 
Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Wow. So this prophecy of Isaiah describes the fall of Satan mm. as he was cast out of heaven. And what is it? What is the reason that he gets cast out of heaven here, Isaac? What is, what's this narrative telling us? Well, uh, the first thing was uh, hubris. So yeah. it was excessive pride, delusions of grandeur, thinking that he could put himself above God. Yeah. Bottom line, rebellion. Mm. So sin is rebellion against God. Mm. Sin isn't hating or stealing. They are sins. Yes. But they, they're the fruit. The tree, the root, is rebellion. Yep. And everything that we read earlier are fruits that come out of rebellion against God. So every time we see the word sin, we can instead interpret it as rebellion against God. Mm. Now, in the last session, we read 1 John 3, 6. And... Uh, and it says anyone who continues to live in sin, uh, he doesn't he doesn't know God. Yes. So what I've done is I've rewritten that with the idea of rebellion against God is a replacement for the word sin. And I'm going to get Isaac to read this this scripture to you. One John three six. Anyone who continues to live in him will not live in rebellion against God. But anyone who keeps on living in rebellion against God does not know him or understand who he is. Now, you see what I'm saying? Mm. This actually makes the, this whole concept of sin make a lot more sense. Now, mm. there are times that you might do stupid stuff. Yep. You might get angry. You might get vicious and fly off at the handle. Uh, you might get seduced by the enemy with, um, you know, um, what they refer to in the scriptures, the lust of the eye. Maybe it's pornography or, or um, you know, looking at some girl down the street or having lustful thoughts or, or maybe you, you old habits and you've, you've gone and gotten drunk and, 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 now you, the enemy is poking this stuff in your face and you're beating yourself up saying, oh, I've sinned, I've sinned. And, and, and John says that he who sins does not know him or understand who he is. But if we understand that we're actually talking about the root, and then we read 1 John 3, 6, but anyone who keeps on living in rebellion against God does not know him or understand who he is. And uh, we'll, we'll read 1 John 3, 9 in the same way. Mm. Thanks. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of living in rebellion against God because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on living in rebellion against God because they are children of God. Yeah. So my question, and, and I'll, ask, I'll ask you, Isaac, mm. do you have a heart of rebellion against God? No. So are you a sinner? No. No. And that's the thing, and I'm sure that you're answering this the, the same way as you're listening, is I, I don't have a heart of rebellion against.
it's gone. Yes, there have been times that I've done stupid stuff. Yes, there have been times that the enemy has has uh, been successful in tempting me and seducing me. But that's not where my heart is at. Mm. My heart is wanting to yield. And so when I do these things, my heart's broken. I, mm. I, I hate that because I'm not in rebellion against God. Mm. Another thing I think is really good to understand is that not all sin is actually the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, while all sin will lead to us going to hell, yeah. if it goes unaddressed, mm. the level of rebellion that's involved can be very different. So the first kind of sin is what we call unconscious sin. Okay. And that's when you don't even understand that you've broken God's law. Mm. And what's really interesting, if you read Leviticus and Deuteronomy, there was actually a sacrifice in the tabernacle and temple worship that you could make for unconscious sin. Mm. So God, and, and and you can make this, you can make that same sacrifice in your own prayer life. God, mm-hmm. if there is any way that I have offended or broken your law, that is not my heart's desire. And I ask that you would forgive me and what, even though I don't know what it is, I confess it and I'll put it before you. Mm. And I, I want to be free of that sin. That's good. The second is trespass. Um, trespass is where I, I crossed the line, but I didn't know the line was there, like unconscious sin. But later I find out. Yeah. And I realise that I have I've broken God's law. Yeah. So uh, that's trespass. Transgression is when you know the line is there, but you choose to cross it anyway. Mm. <laughs> um, so we're talking there about deliberate sin. Mm-hmm. Now, trespass, you found out about it later. Were you deliberately seeking to sin? No. But transgression, you know that what you're doing is wrong. Mm. That's rebellion. Yeah. And that's the thing is that when you choose to start doing that, you are now allowing the old nature to rule you. Mm. The final one, unconscious sin, trespass, transgression, the final one is iniquity. And iniquity is where... You know the line's there, and you choose to cross it, and then you choose to live there mm. in continual, habitual sin. Pitch a tent, make a camp. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that kind of sin, in that sense, is is not going to be forgiven without Repentance, Mm, like we talked about in the last session. Mm -hmm. You must change your direction and change your mind. Mm. Okay. What about defeating sin then? How do we defeat sin? We're going to have a look at Romans 5, verse 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. 
But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Wow. So what's this telling us, Isaac? How do we defeat sin? Well, it's saying that there's there's triumph um, and, um, yeah, we can um, we can actually conquer sin and crush crush that and the penalty of that death, um, and it's through Jesus. So yep. it may have entered in through Adam, but just because it entered through Adam doesn't, and we are descended from Adam, does not mean that we have to live like that. Um, yeah, Jesus is, yeah, washed it all away. Fantastic. Yeah. Perfect answer. But what if? What if? Uh, let's have a read of 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. Okay, I just want to stop right there before we go any further. So that you will not sin. So we have a choice. Mm. We can come to a place where we don't, can I put it this way, practice the fruits of sin Mm -hmm. because that rebellion has been dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's keep reading. Uh, So that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Yeah. So what is John's assumption about Christian sin? Oh, he says, but if anyone does sin. So it's not when you sin, it's an if you sin. Now, this is huge. Yeah. Because... What this is telling us is that there is there's provision in the case that we do sin, mm. but the expectation is that is we don't. Die. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Alrighty. One John one nine says, "But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness." So if you do sin, what is the promise from God that comes through confessing or admitting our sin to him? He's going to be faithful and he's going to be just and will be cleansed. Fantastic. So I I love that. God's justice Mm. is still me. Mm. God is just. Yes. The justice is the blood has paid for your sin. Yep. And so it is already dealt with, mm-hmm. and you're clean. Amen. James five sixteen. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That's fantastic. Mm, love so that. what kind of power is released through confession to each other? Or well, freedom from shame. Yes, you're no longer, when you're able to tell someone and confess, it's no longer got a hold on you in such a way that, um, yeah, you're bound to it. Um, You're able to, yeah, 
um, share with others. And um, that's how, I mean, with my own sort of journey and stuff with pornography, that's how I knew that I was free from that. Mm. I tried on my own strength and tried praying to God and so on, but it was only after I was able to confess that. I'm like, hang on, this doesn't, this isn't part of my identity. This is not who I am. I'm able to share that with others. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. I, I like the fact that it says, so that you may be healed. Mm. You know, that's the thing is that so much of what is seen in our lives is like a wound yes. in our soul. Mm. So how do you think that healing actually works? You know, it's saying if you confess it to each other, mm. you will be healed. So I said, what do you think he's saying here? What do you think he means when he says that, that you'll be healed through confessing to one another? Well, I think it's like... Um if you confess it to someone, you know that it's a problem and you acknowledge it. So it's like you can't you can't go to the doctor and be healed of something that you're not going to tell the doctor about mm. um, or that you don't, you're in denial about. But as soon as you are able to confess that to others, um, you're able to, you've not acknowledged that it's a problem in your life yep. and others are able to come and while they're not the ones that they can't forgive your sins, it's Jesus that does that. They're able to get alongside you and able to support you. And that's that's why we have community. Fantastic. Now, I can imagine that there is, there is someone listening to this right now going, dude, this all just seems too hard. Mm. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, to live a life without sinning. Mm. You know, I, for a start, I've already blown it so many times, but even if I was given a clean slate, which incidentally, you have been. Mm. And the thing that you've got to understand is that when you blow it, Today, he'll give you a new clean slate. Yes. Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> right? How good is that? That's the wonderful thing about it. But there's an expectation from Paul that believers should live above their sinful nature. And mm. I know that this seems hard, but I want you, you know, our, we don't make decisions on what our life is like just based on our own experience. We've got to see what God has got to say on it. Mm. So let's see what, what Paul writes to us in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Wow. And this is the thing, you know, that Paul is is looking at the Corinthians and he was saying, you're living like mm. the people in the world. Mm. But before you think, you know, Paul had it all together and was, you know, being too hard on the Corinthians and you might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm feeling like the Corinthians right now. <laughs> I want you to hear what Paul had to say about himself as well in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 to 25. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. 
I don't want to do what is wrong, but I'd do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Wow. Did did you hear what was said then? But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Verse 21. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hear that? (laughs) There is another power Mm. within me that is at war with my mind. My mind is subject to God. My mind is is repentant. My Mm. mind is renewed. But there is something that is within me that is at war mm. with my mind. Yeah. Uh, from 24. Uh, sorry for continuing on, sorry. No, uh, continuing, yeah. 23. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Mm. 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes. Mm. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. But he tells us what the answer is. The answer is found in Jesus. When he says, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So... You might be feeling like you are still a slave to sin, but Mm. the answer is found in Jesus. The answer to win the war against that is Jesus Christ. And Mm. in the next talk, we're going to discuss practically about escaping from that slavery. Yeah. So to live this out, start by keeping your attention firmly focused on Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Isaac. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Wow. So this stops us by, by like focusing mm-hmm. on Jesus. Mm. It stops us focusing on our sin. I I like the uh, analogy that uh, was given to me on this about riding a bike. Yep. So try riding a bike on a busy street in the bike lane Mm -hmm. and imagine sin and death are on either side of that line, right? What happens if you look down at your wheel and the lines that are like right there on either side of the bike lane. Cause you know how yeah. thin a bike lane mm. is, right? There's barely enough room yeah. for your shoulders to stay in that line, mm-hmm. right? So what happens if you try to look down at the, your front wheel and try to keep that wheel within those two lines and all that you're doing is focusing on that? What happens? Well, depending on your balance, you may last anywhere from five seconds to 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> 
and invariably you're going to come off. Yep. That's just yep. the way that's going to work. Yeah. But what happens if instead you look forward towards the destination that you're heading to? Can you stay in the lines then? Mm. And, and you see, this is the thing. The, the idea to, to ride that bike and to stay in the bike lane, you don't focus on staying in the bike lane. You focus on your destination. Mm, yeah. And for us, our destination is with Christ, is in Christ, mm-hmm. is to be part of Christ. So if we have our focus in that direction, we don't have to worry about falling off into sin and death. When, when, mm. You know, there, there might be times when we, we might wobble around a bit and we might cross the line, but very quickly we will come back in because our focus and our attention is on the destination of Jesus mm. Christ. And I think one of the things to keep in mind is that, like we said, there is another power at work. There is something that is at war within our mind. There is someone who is at war with us. Mm. And don't forget this, God. We read about it in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door eager to control you, but you must subdue it, or him in brackets, and be it, or his, master. And, and see, here's the thing, you know, in the, in the original Hebrew, the reason I've put those brackets in there is because it actually uses a masculine genitive mm. for those words, it. Yep. And so it's not really, in the original language, Sin is not a thing. Sin is a person. Mm. Identified as a male. Yep. Um, so we know that sin comes from the devil. Yep. And this is the thing, people. Sin is not coming from you. You are a new creation. Sin is coming from, in that sense, beyond you. Mm. Now, it might feel like it's coming from within because we're talking about the higher dimensions here and, and in and out and those sorts of words don't really do it justice. Mm. But the thing is, is that it is beyond you. It's an external force that's working against who you are now. Mm. Because remember, sin is rebellion against God. And you are not sinful. You are not in rebellion to God. So this is something that's working against you. Mm. And we're told in James 4, 7 what we can do about dealing with the devil. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There you go. Resist him and he will flee. Mm. Now, if you do sin, I want you to imagine this. Imagine two puddles. In the first picture, you're walking along the road of righteousness when all of a sudden you step into a muddy puddle. Sin, let's call it anger. You stop walking and start thinking, I can't believe I stepped into this puddle. I'm so hopeless. I'm never going to be rid of this rotten anger in my life. I'm a hopeless Christian. 
I need to be saved all over again. What must everyone think? In the second picture, imagine you're walking along the road of righteousness when you stand in the muddy puddle of sin, just like before. You look down, step out of the puddle, shake the water off your boots, and you say, I am so sorry, God. I know that sinning is not who you made me to be. My new nature is not one of anger. Then you simply keep walking along the road of righteousness. Hmm. In the first example, we actually give the power back to sin and allow it to overcome us and dictate who we are. You can just imagine Jesus looking on saying, come on, get out of the puddle and keep going. I've already dealt with this puddle. It's not who you are now. Instead, by the time we drag ourselves out of one puddle, we take two steps and fall into the next one. And so the cycle of condemnation and not living free from sin continues. But in the second example, we are empowered to remind ourselves that, oops, this isn't me anymore. And to say, sorry, God, I forgot my new identity there for a moment. Then we move forward on the path of righteousness, stepping in less and less puddles as we go. And I guess that's the thing. You know, I, I imagine, Isaac, you, as you look over your own life and you, you told your story in the last session yeah. and when you came to Christ and you said, that's it. Mm. No more stepping in puddles. Yeah. And, and you made that choice to stop looking down at your feet and, and the issues that you were going through. Mm. You shared that. Can I ask? What has it been like now that you have appropriated that identity in Christ? I mean, you've already said that, you know, pornography has fallen by the way for you, mm. but is there anything else that you would, you would look at and say, yeah, as, as I've ridden my bike with my eyes focused on Jesus, mm. I've seen how less and less I'm coming out of the lines or falling into those puddles. Yeah. Is there any other examples you might want to give to people who are listening? Yeah, well, I think a lot of it, the way I was brought up in um, uh, with religion, it's very much about um, how you're perceived. Um, and so that while I, so pornography for me was a hidden sin, no one knew about it. Lots of other sins in my life would be hidden ones, so things yeah. that, um, it may not come out. I, I may have anger towards someone, but it's not going to manifest in sort of outbursts of anger. It'd be more, um, sort of negative talk or it may be pride or something like that. The way that I see that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the way that I will respond to that person in my heart. Yeah. Um, but what Jesus says in the Bible is, uh, the, the Jewish law used to be, um, uh, things like on the Ten Commandments and stuff. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit murder. It says Jesus then ups the ante and says, I say that anyone who has hatred in their heart to another person has committed murder. Anyone who looks lustfully upon a woman has committed adultery with her in their heart. Yeah. And so that is just as much sin as if I was actually having that outburst of anger. And so a lot of that stuff has been changed. It's been on the outside, not really that noticeable, but on the inside, um, there's been a huge transformation Wow, thanks for sharing that because I, I think that's one of the th- key things is that God looks on the heart. Mm-hmm. He's not really watching what's going on in that sense on the yeah. outside. 
Mm. I mean, that's obvious to everyone. Yeah. He's really looking at what's taking place in the heart. And the fact that that you have seen that that transformative work of the Holy Spirit in your own life, in that secret and hidden place, I want to encourage you as a listener, that's where you want God doing work in you too. It's not about looking right. It's about being righteous. And that righteousness comes as we let go of that rebellion, those rebellious attitudes towards God. We lay hold of of the fact that, no, I want to have a heart that's in a right place towards him. Mm. And that's where the freedom comes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It says, yeah, in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, when um, Samuel is about to um, anoint David as king over Israel, um, God says to Samuel, do not look at his outward appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. That's one of David's um, older brothers who Samuel was going to anoint. Then he goes on and says, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So we want to encourage you today. Don't try to get things right on on the outside, even if you are still wrestling with things as a new believer on the outside. Let God deal with the heart and take heart Mm. in knowing that your heart has changed, that you're no longer in rebellion towards Him. You don't have a heart of rebellion towards God. Mm. Your heart is soft. It's been turned towards you. And you are free now to walk in that understanding. And if you do happen to step in, just as that little story I told, so shake the water off and look back to Jesus, look back to those eyes of God, and that hand that's outstretched to you, and walk knowing that He sees one who is righteous, even when you do stumble on. Bless you, and we'll see you in our next session. Bye-bye. See ya.